seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, have you never seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. Hello there, and welcome to the Video Nasties podcast. My name's Chris Brown. Today we're going to be talking about the 1981 film Don't Go In The Woods. With its staggeringly cheesy theme song, its horrible dubbing, and its ludicrous splatter, it would be easy to dismiss Don't Go In The Woods. But for me, there is something endearing about a film which embraces its low-budget credentials to such an extent. Made at a time in the 80s when appetite for the slasher film was at its peak. It has a certain charm and a grubby aesthetic which matches its video nasty reputation. Even if, say, say quietly, it's, it's only a 15 now. Which, as Simon Bates will now tell you, isn't a very rock and roll certificate to have for a film of this type. Whenever you rent or buy a video, you need to be sure that the film you choose is suitable for the audience at home. To help you, there are certificates given to films which tell you broadly what the film is like. This film has been classified 15, which means it's unsuitable for anyone younger than that. It's an offence for a shop to supply a 15 video to anyone below that age, so don't ask them to break the law. 15 films may have a fairly adult theme, or contain scenes of sex, violence, or drugs, which, while not particularly graphic, are unsuitable for younger teenagers. They may also contain sexual swear words. Video certificates are there to give you the chance to make an informed choice. They allow you to have peace of mind and be entertained. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the film. Made by director James Bryan. His first two theatrical features were softcore entries, Escape to Prison and The Dirtiest Game, in uh, 1970. And James's other movies, uh, like downbeat, uh, adults-only melodramas, which tries to play her things up a little bit more seriously, I Love You, I Love You Not, uh, a funky comedy called Boogie Vision, and uh, Hellriders, which is uh, known for being not a particularly brilliant so bad it's good biker film and then there's his rip off of um, uh, Death Wish which is The Executioner Part 2 um, and then of course there is his attempt at action movies Lady Street Fighter see Brian got his um, greatest cult cinema appeal though from this film with its uh, it's, it revels in its cheesiness, it knows it's poor, but it uh, still has a certain endearing quality to it, helped, of course, by its uh, quite high body count. There's something waiting for you out here in the woods. I don't think it's a bear, you. Something a little bit wild and crazy. You don't have to go looking for it. It'll find you soon enough. Don't go in the woods. The terror waits at a theater near you. Don't go in the woods. 
for if if the these people exist and if you're a um if you're a fan of uh, our man James's work uh, the pink shirt peeps wears in the climax of the film was a promotional shirt for Boogie Vision which is another one of a, a, that film I mentioned before by by uh, James Bryan so our story the film begins with a woman running through the woods who then falls into a stream and disappears she's filed as a missing person then four young campers Craig, Peter, Ingrid and Joni are backpacking through the mountains for a relaxing weekend in the wilderness they're hiking in the middle of the day and uh, someone starts killing tourists in the woods Craig warns the others not to go into the woods alone the mountains are crawling with people like nerdy beard watchers, young couples who are um, you know, having romantic pit time and um, they all meet gruesome ends at the hands of our deranged and growling woodsman who carries a sharp spike with him our story revolves around our, our hikers though and they, as they continue the campers enter a forest which becomes denser and darker as they progress uh, Peter and Ingrid fear that they're going to get lost and the rest of the, te- uh, the night spends running and hiding from this maniac who's played by Tom Jury who's constantly in pursuit um, people die unsurprisingly and a local sheriff and his deputy begin to investigate all the distir- disturbances of these people who uh, have gone missing it's alright oh my god what is that I don't know, baby. It's probably just a bear or something. Something's out there. Uh, don't, don't, don't worry about it. Let me, let me take care of it. Let me take care of it. I'll take care of it. Eh? Don't go. Don't go. In the back. Don't let me leave get my gun. Let me get my gun. Give me the keys. Give me keys. Give me keys. Okay. I'll take care of you. I said I'd protect you. I, I just been looking for the chance to prove it. You got nothing to worry about when I'm around. This little baby does all the talking when the peeping toms come around. I ain't afraid of nothing on two feet. <clears throat> Be careful, Dick. Be careful, Dick. Hey, it's the peeping tom that better be careful out here. You jerk, you! Come out of there, you pencil neck geek! Come on! Hey, uh, hey out there! Now I know you're there. Dick? Now, many a bad film has hidden behind the idea that it's all a big knowing joke. Um, in Liverpool last week, we had The Room, which is Tommy Wiseau's 19, uh, 2003 opus, which I think was made seriously at one point, and then has been remarketed as some kind of midnight movie, so bad it's good kind of thing, where the audience kind of uh, you know throw stuff around and have a good time while 
the, the, the film plays out. I think that's fine in terms of selling films, but uh, I think it's really more of a crutch to hide behind when uh, things go quite so spectacularly wrong. That said, I do think it's fair that say this film does try and play up and play with its faults. Our man is our mountain man, our killer, our slasher is insanely pointed in his willingness just to kill for little or no reason at all. He just goes around merging people and no attempt is made to give it an, any kind of background. Meanwhile, by the end, our characters do everything but nod their heads at the ridiculousness of some of the over-the-top violence that's carrying out on screen. According to James Bryan and uh, the actor, uh, Jerry Klein, who plays a guy who's killed in a wheelchair, it was one screening the movie in, uh, in the cinema and he couldn't quit laughing during his own scenes. This annoyed a woman sitting in front of him. She turned and said to him, that's not funny. What if that was you in that wheelchair? And of course, the fact that it was just made him laugh more and escalate the problem. So obviously he's getting the amusement out of it. And indeed, although that scene with um, in, the, in the wheelchair doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't particularly sit particularly nicely with, with me, it is obviously designed to be amusing. That said, some, well, I mean, you know, another problem with it is in terms of its production is that the entire movie was dubbed after being shot. And it's obvious it can be from the clips that I play. The voice of actor Frank uh, Millen is dubbed by the director, James Bryan, because Millen wasn't actually available to loop his own dialogue. And uh, in that sense, it does sound like he's <laughs> somebody else. And people act in even more ridiculous ways, though. I mean, that's a, a real fault. Um, some of the dialogue is utterly horrible. And um, all this, these kind of elements can be seen in one particular scene about in the halfway point um, when somebody, for a joke, hangs their friend up from a tree while they're trapped in a sleeping bag. And... Um, the language he uses is really strong, and he's, I think he's meant to be being funny, but uh, it certainly doesn't across, come across that way. Now I've got you, bitch. Let's hear you say uncle. Say uncle. Say it, bag of bitch. Say it. Say it, bag of bitch. Say it. Say uncle. Are you ready to say, Uncle? My ass! If that's the way you want to play it, I'll see you later. Craig! Craig, where are you? Craig? Craig? Craig, there's someone here. I'm not kidding! I'm not kidding! Craig? There's someone here. This is serious! <laughs> I'm not funny. The monster is here. Right? He's going to get you. <laughs> He's going to get you. You can't escape. No! 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 
There really isn't any acting of note in the piece. Um, Gareth Ellison, who wrote the story, and, but wrote very little else in his career, appears briefly in a cameo as, as a policeman. The, uh, first of all, this actually is it's Mary Gale Arts, who plays Ingrid, who is probably the most famous person to come out of this production. But uh, for a different job, she went on to become a Hollywood casting director and has casted films such as Halloween 2, Nightmare Before Christmas, Serendipity, House of Wax on a horror front, and uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Um, This is the only film she's actually been cast in herself, though, for moving into uh, behind the cameras. Um... I mean, you know, it was a film made with amateurs. And we're going to talk a lot more about these kind of movies that have were made by, um, you know, people that were willing to give it a go, as it were. Um, people like, <clears throat> for example, Tom Jury, the actor who plays the maniac, uh, was actually working as a singer. And one of his songs can be played on the deputy's car. Can you hear played on the deputy's car early on in the film? And also... Um, you know, I mean, I'm saying these are people that manage to get a lot of cheap stock together, have a little bit of knowledge, and are able to go out and try and make a film of some sort that will turn some kind of profit. With a budget of hardly anything, uh, our crew had to be very creative to make the film. Uh, tracking shots were filmed from the back of a truck, and the chase or running action set was set to occur just off five from roads so it could be captured by a camera riding on the truck. So they kind of set up their own kind of, you know, mobile dolly rig, as it were, with an engine. And, of course, there's no problem with sound, because everyone was dubbed after. And the movie's entire film stock, I mean, talking again of having to be creative, was purchased for $400, which is quite a bargain. Before shooting, director James Bryan got word that a film lab was going to recycle some old film stock that was going to go out of date, and he picked it up, the entire reel, un- unused footage, all of which this film was shot with. Um, the, um, you know, obviously because it needed to be filmed cheaply, the roles of many nameless victims of our maniac were played by, you know, various crew members or friends of the filmmakers. And so the film, the murder scenes had to be shot actually on weekends prior to principal photography so they could get them. Uh, our director, Brian, James Bryan, had to double up as the murderer in many of the shots, which is why at points in the film he doesn't, you know, there's no close-ups of faces, he just appears to be a, a big figure in the, in its shot in silhouette, uh, just like looming over the top, because obviously they just didn't have, <laughs> he wasn't there to be shot, and they couldn't afford to pay him for those moments. Um, the film's uh, cameraman, even uh, Hank Zinman, plays the fisherman that Peter sees killed at the river. He's lying in the river. It's kind of one of the slightly more unnerving scenes in the film, where they're kind of frolicking around in in the water, and there's a body just a few yards away, bloodied up. And you know, you, you, as you'd probably understand from a film like this, a film which opening salvo was a man having his arm hacked off. The flake blood used in the film is a mixture of red food colouring and barbecue sauce, and it is used quite liberally in all the shots. 
Um, you know, but these kind of films always still have to be, you know, there's always problems with it and they have to be creative with that. Considering the footage of Craig telling the story was ruined, so the, the actual scene had to be cut with footage of other cast members listening to the story and Craig's voiceover, which is what makes it seem so odd as if it's almost like a, um, like a, you know, an internal monologue because you don't see him talking. It seems odd. I mean, it is odd. Um, I think the interesting thing about the film is that its aim was not really to disturb. Brian edited down jo uh, Joni's bloody death because he felt that the scene got too much, too disturbingly violent for a film which is attempting to have a tongue-in-cheek tone, which of course is ironic considering exactly what happens when the film is released in the UK. It was released uncut on video releasing organisation label in March 82. It got onto the banned video nasties list in October 83 and stayed on the list throughout the panic. So, despite the fact that it's only a 15 now and uh, almost certainly not, not that shocking, it is one of our collectible 39 films. It's this tongue-in-cheek tone which is probably the reason why it is a 15 in truth. Um, you might not like what they've achieved or what they've done or what they've tried to do. It isn't particularly the most well-made film in the world, and I think I've repeatedly explained why. But I always think with this kind of stuff, you have to kind of respect people who are willing to go out there and make these films. I mentioned in my introduction the fact that the stories are, um, you know, a lot of these people are just people that go into the woods and make a film. And some of those films become very grand, you know, Cabin in the Woods films, like Evil Dead. And some of them become films like Toxic Zombies, which... The making of the film is possibly more interesting than the film itself. But that said, you know, uh, anybody could get out there, get the film stock for such a limited amount of money, shoot it on a shoestring with your friends, and then get out there. And not only that, is it not a stamp of approval for uh, James Bryan's work that his movie was considered so horrendous and obscene that it would, could, you know, its sale in the UK could lead to minds being warped. But what about that song at the end? The song, I think, that really does show exactly um, the extent of how tongue-in-cheek this is. I mean, for example, well, before we speak about that, take, for example, the um, the, the the last 20 minutes, our, 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 our couple are saved. But out of guilt, a man goes back into the woods to try and save his friends. Um, even though there's police and stuff around, he decides that he'll be the person to save the day. And um, on paper and how I've made that sound, it sounds like uh, you know a very brave and exciting person that's gone and done something you know really big and grand gestures and like you know like uh, almost like a John Wayne kind of character. But of course, in the way the film plays out, he just seems like a complete moron for taking that decision and an awful idea, you know. But yeah, that theme song, um, cheesy as it is, as unusual as it is, um, and obviously shows exactly how much the film revels in its in its nonsense. The fact that these people, you know, a man will go, you know, try and say a man who nearly got killed will just go the next day straight back into the woods to try and confront a person who's basically hacked all his mates up. 
Composer H. Kingsley Fernber originally records the movie's theme song as a joke for him. But Brian likes the song so much, he put it in the film's closing credits. Although it's interesting to see some of the versions that we uh, that I've, I've seen have the theme song at the end removed. Uh, I assume because the distributor did not agree with um, Brian's idea that this is all a bit of tongue-in-cheek fun and thought the people who, who left to that song might have considered the fact that maybe the filmmakers were in on the joke a little bit too beyond the pale. in the woods tonight you probably will be thrilled don't go out in the woods tonight you probably will be killed there's a friendly beast who lurks about and likes to feast you won't get out without being killed and chopped up in little pieces don't go out in the woods tonight you probably will be thrilled Go out in the woods tonight, you probably will be killed. There's a friendly beast who lurks about and likes to feast. You won't get out without being killed and chopped up in little pieces. So, should we watch it? Is it is there value? Well, I think there's value in the making of the film. I think there's value in the fact that this is how the film was made. And for better or worse, it would not be how... You would not make a film like this in this way now. It would, Although there are lots of people out there, you know, with cheap digital cameras, able to make a film of a certain standard, um, using their laptops to edit. This was deep, down, deep dark and dirty, having to use the, the booth because there was, a, you know, with all the tracking shots, there was the sound of... Um, of the of the, the the truck moving for those panning shots, and also because you know it's incredibly difficult to make up a lot of this stuff, whereas now it would be a lot easier to make however you wanted, and you know the fact that despite I mean it's the it it's the it's the dubbing that really makes it look like a cheap nasty film, um, and I think there's a lot of I've got a lot of time for people that do it for the love of it. I want to make something that's a bit fun and a bit silly. And yeah, they hide behind, you know, oh, well, we're all in on the joke. But at the same time, I think that's something that I can still get behind. For some people, a simple warning is never enough. By the time Alma heard it, it was too late. Something's out there in the woods, and it's killing people. Tony never thought it could happen to her. Ingrid and Peter couldn't believe it happened to them. Something's out there, waiting. Something a little bit wild and crazy. For some people, a simple warning is never enough. It's your decision. If you want it chopped off, just take it to the woods. Remember, the call of the wild is the last thing on earth you want to hear. Don't go in the woods. It's coming soon. For some people, a simple warning 
is never enough. So, um, just very quickly, just a couple of notes. Um, thanks to everybody who has been in contact with me. Uh, I've started basically listing loads of apps. Um, I'm not going to think I'm going to do that now. Um, it's great that everyone's been in touch. Uh, what I will do is thank uh, somebody for a, a review on iTunes. Apple crazed who uh, was referred to me from uh, a different website that I've worked on, uh, the Twilight Zone Network, which I have mentioned. The link's on the website. And um, Tom, who writes the Twilight Zone podcast, uh, sent sent him over to me. So thanks to Tom, who I worked with uh, when we were doing the website, and I still uh, contribute to that. And uh, and thanks also to Apple Crazed for his review. It's very kind of you. The... um, the reviews are important because it gets people interested in what we're doing and it shows that although this is still very early days, I think, you know, we haven't done that many podcasts yet, um, that there's value in what we're doing. And uh, hopefully when we hit some of the slightly more bigger named uh, films rather than just the slower stuff that, you know, you'll uh, you'll have you'll all have stuff you, you may wish to pitch in. If you want to get hold of me and if you want to send feedback, that would be great. My email address is Video Nasties Podcast at gmail.com the website is uh, www.videonastiespodcast.com and my own personal twitter is at orange underscore monkey now if you want to send some feedback on any of the films I've discussed or any of the films I will be discussing that would be great we'll, uh, we'll play it out if you do an mp3 file if you're a podcaster and want to push your own podcast that would be wonderful and if you're uh, writing on and if you just want to read some, get something for me to read out although you know, I barely read out my own web address sometimes. I will do that for you. It'd be great to hear what you, your opinions are. And there are people who are atting me and letting me know what they think at the moment. And uh, that's fantastic. Um, so, next week, I think we'll do uh, Pranks, which is what it's called in the UK. It's video nasty. Um, our American friends will probably be- know it better as The Dawn That Dripped Blood. Um... I mentioned Evil Dead coming soon, and we will do it, but I think it'd be better to do it closer to the release date of the remake, so that'll be the beginning of April. Until then, take care, and I will speak to you soon. Goodbye. I have never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How how can you judge on video nasty? You've never seen one. I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film.